This evening we will be continuing in our study in our series of 1 John. We are up to chapter 3, actually the end of chapter 2 through chapter 3. And we'll read the whole chapter tonight, but our focus will be on chapter 2, verses 28, through chapter 3, verse 10. That can be found on page 1900 in your pew Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Hear now God's word. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if your hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it 
by the Spirit he gave us. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Well, I was going to start out tonight with many illustrations and applications for married couples, but because of our beloved pastor, I decided not to do that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. This, I thought it was quite tastefully done this morning. <laughs> no, to, to begin with, I was very uh, surprised at the providential working of God, how this sermon landed on Father's Day. And also how this sermon landed in conjunction with what Pastor Dan was talking about this morning in the prodigal son and of a loving father. What we see here is truly tremendous, and we see it in a different way. I thought we'd begin this evening at considering the song Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin, which was released in 1974. In this song, there's the story that's told of a, of a father and a son. Of a son who wants to spend more time with his father, but the father doesn't have the time. The father is busy, the father is at work. But this doesn't upset the son. The son repeatedly says, I'm going to grow up to be like him. I want to be like him. Well, the sad irony of the song is the twist that takes place. And as both grow older, the father now wants to spend time with his son, but his son doesn't have time to spend with him. His father calls the son at the end to see if he can spend time with him, but his son says, I'm too busy. And so the father, as he hangs up the phone, it occurs to him that he'd grown up just like him, that his son had turned out just as he is. Now why do we start talking about this song? Well, it's because this song shows in a negative way what our passage shows in a positive way. The idea of family resemblance, of imitation of our parents, and eventually almost the identity we can have with them, often how we turn out just like them. In the last chapter, we saw that there were three tests to determine genuine faith. And here we see somewhat of another test. And the test is, are you a child of God? And how do you know? The test we saw last week was the test of obedience and love. And then the rest of the chapter that we didn't get to was the test of belief. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Messiah, as your Savior? This is another test that we must pass to be truly saved, to bear evidence of true faith. And so the second half of the chapter Chapter 2 ends with the call to remain in Jesus, to remain in God. Well, the question is, how do we remain in him? Well, it's by passing these tests. It's by being obedient. It's by loving. It's by believing in Jesus. This is how we remain in him. And this then leads into our passage today, where we see John continuing the quest to provide assurance and to test our faith to see what is genuine And this is what we see in our passage. This is the purpose statement, the theme statement, that children of God are proven through family resemblance. Children of God are proven to be children of God through how they resemble him. And John does this by asking or implying two questions. Who are children of God? Who are children of the devil? And the answers to those determine if we're saved. 
So first, we look at who are the children of God. Well, the answer comes very quickly. Verse 28 tells us it's to remain in him. Those who remain in him will be children of God. And this is telling us to love and to be obedient, or we could say the children of God are righteous. Throughout this epistle, we have seen how closely connected true faith and good works are. We want to always separate them, that faith and works are something different. But John seems to always bring them back together in a sense. True faith is shown by our true works. And true faith and true works show that we are God's children. In fact, verse 29 of chapter 2 says, Everyone who does what is right has been born of God. And so right off the bat, we get the answer, the children of God are righteous. Now, someone were to ask you, how do you determine who is saved or what is the number one quality of faith? We would probably answer it as belief. You have to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. And that's certainly true. But I wonder if we would not really think about the work side of it. We rightly want to say we're not saved by works at all, and that's right. We have that right inclination in us. We know we're not saved by works, but John doesn't want to separate these two completely because our true faith is shown by our works. In fact, we can see it in James 2, verse 14. James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Faith without works is dead. This is how we see that connection between faith and works. You see, we are saved by faith alone, but we're never saved by a faith that is alone. Our faith always is accompanied by righteousness. And verse 28 gives us another reason why we want to be children of God, why we want to remain in Christ. It says, when Christ comes again, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Well, John provides here his whole goal of writing. The past couple weeks, we may have started to think, is John really wanting the congregation to doubt their faith? He's so pounding this, this sin, this works, Yes, he he always brings us back to Jesus, but there is a strong emphasis on our sin and testing it. And we respond by thinking, well, that makes me want to doubt my faith. But he says here, no, he wants us to be confident and unashamed at Christ's coming. That's his goal. His goal is our assurance. His goal is that we would live desiring Christ's coming. And the reason is, we would be ready for it. To use an illustration, if you think of a child who is told by a parent to go do a task, you could think of a father telling his son, go clean the garage while I'm at work today. He was given a a, a work to do, a task to do. Now, if this child does it and does it well to the best of his ability, he can't wait for his dad to come home. All he wants to do is show his father, look what I did. I obeyed you. I did it to the best of my ability. This would make us want our father's returning. But the opposite is also true. If you didn't clean the garage, you would look with a lot of angst at your father's return, a lot of fear. Oh no, I didn't do it. What's my dad going to say? Well, it's the same thing here. 
When Jesus comes again, we don't want to be looking at that as if, oh no, will I be saved? Will I know him? Will he know me? John is saying, by our works, we show what our true faith is. We show that we really belong to him, and we're doing the task that he gave us to do, which gives us assurance, which shows us that it is true in us. Verse 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And that's all that that is saying. Jesus is righteous. Those who are righteous have been born of him. And we could tie this into our theme statement, those who resemble God are his children. Children of God possess this family resemblance. I'm sure we've all had the experience of meeting new people who may know our family but not know us. And they see us and say, oh, you're so-and-so's kid. I can tell you look just like him. We've all had that, especially in Dutch circles. Play the Dutch bingo and, oh yeah, I can tell you resemble. Oh yeah. Well, this is the same thing in this passage. But the stakes and the glory of it are way higher. When we're told by a stranger, you must be a Christian. I can tell by the way you live. What they're actually saying without even knowing it, you must be a Christian because you look just like God. You resemble him. You bear family resemblance to him. Now doesn't that want to make us do good works and deeds for him? Because we're showing that we are his children. We're showing we look just like him. We are part of his family. This is what propels us to do good works. And I want to be clear here, and this is very important. The way to fight sin isn't in trying harder. The way we fight sin is not in trying harder. I struggle with anger. I struggle with lust. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. How do I fight this? This is what we ask ourselves. Well, the answer isn't try harder. Give your, find the strength in yourself and do better. Just do better. I got to work at it. I got to set up safeguards. I got if I'm angry, I got to count to ten. If I'm, whatever it may be. Maybe those are helpful tips, but ultimately. That's not why we obey. We obey because we love our Savior. We obey because we're part of his family. Because we bear his resemblance. Now obviously we have to try hard. I'm not saying we don't fight. But our fighting isn't by looking at the temptation we're facing and wondering what do I have to do to get over it. The way we fight it is by looking to God and looking at his glory, loving that and having that propel us to do good works. Just like the illustration of cleaning the garage, what the proper motivation of the child isn't, I, I'm going to go clean the garage because if I don't, my father will be upset or angry. Well, you know, that, to a certain extent, that's not all bad. But how much better is the motivation, I'm going to clean the garage because I love my dad. I want to please him. This is where we find the true motivation. By seeing the glories of God by seeing how holy he is and wanting to respond in obedience. And this is what John does in verse 1. And this is really what I want to get at this evening. Verse 1 says, How great 
is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Another way of translating that would be see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. And the emphasis there is on what kind of love is this? It's astonishing to us and we cannot grasp it. It doesn't make sense to our minds. How could God love this way? This is the same word that's used in Matthew 8 after Jesus has calmed the storm in the sea. And the disciples say, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Same word. What kind of love is this? We haven't seen it before. We don't even know what to make of it. It's astonishing. And the amazement of John is here that this love results in us becoming children of God. So often we just read that, we rattle it off. We need to stop and think of that. We are children of God. And if that weren't enough to assure us, he says it again, and this is what we are. Children of God. Is this not the good news of the gospel? That we are God's own children. But what does that mean for us? We are God's children. Okay, so what? Well, John goes on to describe that. First, he says, being God's child means that the world does not recognize us. We face the same honor of being rejected by the world. The world doesn't recognize us. Why? Again, family resemblance. We don't resemble them. Because we, we resemble God. They don't recognize us. Or at least they shouldn't. If we are living in a way they recognize, well, that's a problem. But if we are living this way, they will not recognize us. In John's Gospel, in chapter 1, he says of Jesus, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Well, that puts a different twist on our sufferings and on our trials, on the persecutions we face. When we face these, as a Christian, we're resembling Christ. We're walking in the way he did. We're bearing our cross. So that's one benefit of being a child, one that we probably don't think of much, the rejection of the world. That's what it means for us. But that's a glorious thing when you think of it. The world's rejection only means we are looking exactly like our Heavenly Father, exactly like Jesus, the image of our Heavenly Father. The second thing he says about a benefit of being God's child means we cannot even comprehend the glory that awaits us and what we will become. There are future glories and benefits, again, that we can't understand. We can't even grasp what awaits us because we are God's children. Romans 8.14 says it better than I ever could. And as I read, notice the similarities between our passage and the passage from Romans about the glories of being a child, about the glories that await us. He says, Paul says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit 
of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, you see he's answering it. Now if we are children, what does this mean? This means then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. How amazing is that? This is why we go through sufferings and trials. This puts a whole new perspective on that and on our daily lives. Because we are God's children. Now often, what do we do when we go through difficulties and trials? When we face fears of the future and questions about the present, like why God is making me go through the trial he is. I can't take it anymore. I can't go through any more of this, God. Why are you doing this? And this might make us question, does God really love us? Does he really see us as his child? Well, the answer lies in the fact, it lies right here where he tells us we are. Sometimes we question God and almost think of him as like an abusive father. He's making me go through this. I don't know why. I hate it. I hope it stops. That's sometimes our reaction. Sometimes we can think that. But then when we look at this God who is our Father, we notice something. We notice such an incomprehensible love that resulted in him sending his own son to be butchered on our behalf. To save us. How then can we question his will when we are his children in Christ? We can't then respond with grumbling and doubt. Jesus was called by the Father to come to die for us. Why? Because of how much God loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God's love and Jesus' love sent him to the cross to make us his very own children. How amazing is this? And now you see really what John's doing. This is how we get assurance. By seeing that we are God's children. We are assured of our faith. We look forward to Christ's coming. We want it because we want to see him. Or at least this is what we should do. Moving on, the next benefit John gives of being a child of God It means that we will be like him and we can see God as he is. That's in verse 2. Now think back to Moses. Moses wanted to see God, wanted to see the glory of God, and God said it it would be too much for you. You can't handle it. You can see my back. You can see the back of my glory. Well, now we see that we will see Jesus Christ as he is. And notice what he says. Why will we see Jesus as he is? Because we ourselves will be like him. That's just, wow. We will see Jesus like he is because we ourselves will be like him? Because he's making us like him? This is why we can see Jesus as he is. Children have access to a father in a way no one else does. I'm sure you all know that with your own children. If you're in your office, if you're Wherever a child can come, your child can come to you and not be turned away. 
That's not true if you're not that person's child. You can't just go barging in someone's office. We have access. This is how much Jesus loves us. Verse 3 continues, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And you see, once again, this knowledge of what Jesus is doing makes us purify ourselves. It makes us walk in obedience. It makes us want to do that. Just as our big brother is pure. Just as our father is pure. We continue to increase in this family resemblance through sanctification and ultimately in glorification in the age to come. This is the promise we have. We see the wonders of it. We have seen the wonders of being God's child. And now the passage turns a little bit. As John has been doing, weaving in and out of things, now what we see is the sin again. And this is the question you might ask is, okay, we know who the children of God are, now who are the children of the devil? And verse 4 shows us what the children of the devil engage in, and that's sin. John says, sin is lawlessness. It's breaking God's law. And in breaking God's law, if done so repeatedly, habitually, this is rebellion against God. This is apostasy. This is showing that you can't really be saved if you continue to transgress his law without care. It is likely that those in John's, there were those in John's day telling that you can be indifferent to sin, that sin didn't really matter. And I think we can relate to that in our own day. The idea that sin doesn't really matter. But we, it does. We know it as we've been going through this. Our obedience is very important. Not in our salvation standing. Again, I want to impress that. It's not as if our, our deeds save us. It shows us who we resemble. It shows us who the true, what our true faith is. And we need to realize this in our own lives. That when we sin, we no longer resemble God. We no longer resemble our father, we start resembling the devil and his children. That's the danger of what sin is. Remember, John is talking to believers. This whole epistle, he is speaking to those he knows are truly saved. And so why is he telling them this? Why is he talking about the devil? Well, he's telling us what the children of the devil do so that we would not desire it, so that we would turn our hearts from it. So we wouldn't walk and resemble that family. We want to resemble our own family that we're a part of now, the family of God. This is why in verse 8 he says, He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. When we indulge in our so-called little sins, we're engaging in the very thing that Jesus came to take away. The very thing that Jesus came to destroy, that's what we're walking in. But you know what? This is true in more than just our actions. It's even in our attitudes. How should a Christian look different than a child of the devil, if you want to call it that? It's strong language, but we're keeping with the language of the text. How do we look different than that? Well, it's in our actions, certainly, but what about our attitudes? It's very easy to cultivate and express a very unchristlike disposition in our lives. 
Often it's based on the circumstances we're going through, our health, our job status, relationship status, relational conflict, trouble, pain, whatever it is, this can cause us to start walking in a way that is very unchristlike, with a soured attitude, without joy. Does that resemble Jesus? Walking in that way? We're walking around, how's it going? Not good. I'm just going through so much right now, I just, I just don't even know if I can take it anymore. We legitimately feel that way at times. We do. But we see here that because we are God's child, this doesn't apply to us. All these momentary afflictions, even if they feel like eternal problems now, are passing away. We are God's children. He's not just putting us through this for no reason. He's sanctifying us. He's bringing us closer to him. And children of God should resemble him, even in their attitudes, in their actions, in all manner of life. This is what we strive for because we love him. Now all this might seem, again, very dire, very sour, very sad. See, you know, again, John goes, we're children of God, and then he starts talking about sin. What is he doing? Well, take heart in all this, because look at verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is actually meant to be very encouraging to us. Now we really have an impulse to be obedient because God's working in us. We wouldn't be able to be obedient if it wasn't for that. But we have John telling us God is God's seed remains in you. The Holy Spirit is in us. We have been regenerated. This remains in us. You will not continue to walk in sin. You won't. You can't. If you are a true believer, this is the faith that we have. This is the assurance we have. God's Spirit dwells in us. Verse 24 of this chapter, which we can't get into tonight, actually says as much. Verse 24 says... Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them, and this is how we know that he lives in us, we know it by the spirit he gave us. This is the seed that remains in us. What more sure confidence and hope could we have than this? What better way to point a Christian to have assurance in their salvation than the fact that they're a child of God, the spirit dwells in you, God will bring you to completion. This is the assurance we have. Now the rest of the chapter unpacks how a child of God looks even more in loving. The rest of the chapter in verses 11 to 24 show what love is, how you love your brother. We can't get into that tonight, but for today, it's enough for us to know that we are God's children. And this is what I want us to leave with tonight. That statement in in verse 1, what kind of love the Father has for us, that he lavished upon us, we don't just want to gloss over that. We don't just want to live as if we're glossing over that. That's the fuel that propels us in everything. The love that God has for us. The spirit he gave us. And we say with John how great this love is. People of God, what's happening in our lives is the positive of Cats in the Cradle. You could remake that song 
And it could be us, the child, saying, I'm going to be like him. You know I'm going to be like him. And the song would end with God indeed saying, my child is just like me. Because that is our end. That's where we end up, being just like God. Now, obviously, in a different way, we don't become equal to him in glory, but we're made like him. We resemble him. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of any better truth to think about on Father's Day, on our true and perfect Father, who has so lavished us with love. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, there are times when we're in your word where we find ourselves in awe, in awe of you. So often we go through our lives living without even thinking about you. We, come, we become distracted. But then you show us in your word what we are in you, that we are your children. There is no better news than that. For us who were children of the devil, who would have been left to that, to know that you are our Father, that we are being made like you. And we pray that that would be what would propel us to good works, that that would be what makes us want to serve you. And we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to.